0: Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, Clearcast. Your source for security clearance, intelligence community espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates. In our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hi, this is Lenny Kaiser with ClearanceJobs.com and welcome to Defense Hiring, Hiring Within the Clearance Space. Definitely a topic that's obviously near and dear to our hearts over at Clearance Jobs. We talk a ton about the hiring process, how to get a job in this industry. The security clearance is one component of that that we tend to touch on a lot because the show is called Security, Clearance, and Security. But it's a part of this broader piece, which is this whole national security hiring market that we're in. So today, I'm really excited to be chatting with Michaela Flasso. She is the chief unicorn collector with Defense Unicorns or also the Head of Talent Acquisition at Defense Unicorns. And Defense Unicorns is really one of these companies that I love following and seeing over at Clearance Jobs. They're relatively new in this space, but not brand new. They have built really a robust employer brand, which I know is kind of a you know wonky industry term. But when you see them, you know them. And it seems like they work in the defense industry and support national security, but they also have a lot of fun. And I love Michaela because I came across her online online. She definitely is having fun at what she does, but is also very passionate about the community and making national hiring better. So thank you so much for being on the show and for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Of course. So we have traded laments about the government hiring process because you come from a government background. You have family members who have worked in and supported national security. But it's one of those topics that seems like I was just having a conversation with someone earlier today, as we will do, about the government hiring process. Why is it so painful why are we still talking about the same problems over and over again? So just to start, kind of talk about your involvement with the government hiring space. And if you have any thoughts, why can we not fix this big monolith issue of government hiring? Let's do it today.
1: I started my career as an intern with the government in HR, and I have worked in honestly every single segment of government hiring from recruiting and placement from classification, which is where they're auditing grades and writing position descriptions to manpower to um, resource planning to full on just being like the central HR for one of the organizations. Coming from that, having a full view of the whole process, and then looking at it from above, there are just so many inefficiencies, especially when it comes to like Simple things like so much of your time during the day being taken by data entry or like things being put on no kidding paper and passed around in a folder. It's incredibly frustrating because later in my career with the government, we had tried to push some automation in there. And I feel like we were met with resistance from folks who worked in the hiring process because they didn't want to be transparent about the hiring process because they had thought that it could potentially affect their jobs and the stability of their job. And I'm like, do you understand that if this data entry things, these like day to day things that take up so much time, if those were taken off your plate, you would have so much more time to iterate on the process, make it better. And also give more human decision-making ability to some of those roles that need it. Also, I felt like when the hiring process is segmented that much, it's very hard to think like this job is connected to a human being who has a family who is waiting on a decision here. So to hear back from a job in four, five, six months, even up to a year is absolutely absurd because you cannot expect someone to put their life on hold and then... Hear back from a job in six months and still be in the same place that they were, where they would be ready to accept that job. They've probably went to a contractor at that point, gotten a job offer within a month, and then have been working there already. I feel like so many of the innovators in this space that I know of w- would love to work directly for the federal government if the pay was more competitive. If the process was easier, if it didn't feel like you needed tips and tricks and hacks and to pay someone to write your resume, all of these things just to get your foot in the door. So I know that I didn't exactly like pinpoint one specific area. I think it's the whole thing. And I could go into more detail on every single area that needs to be fixed. But I'll leave it at that so that we can move forward (laughs)
0: You touched on a few things, just the data entry and the duplication of effort, and then also just the responsiveness of the process. And that's something that I've heard a very similar complaint back from government, even related to the security clearance process, saying, hey, we couldn't respond to everybody. Like, right? Because if we respond to this person, then they will expect us to update them on this process and we'll have to respond to everyone. You're like, well, that's industry standard in the private sector. If you have an applicant that you've onboarded, to the extent that you're putting them through the security clearance process, right? It's not just that they've applied. They are like in your pipeline. So nurturing that candidate within the pipeline is just something for government. There just almost needs to be an education piece of it. Like it will save you time because then you won't lose all these candidates.
1: Exactly. And I have seen candidates who are perfect for the government. If we're hurting in sheet metal, they're sheet metal folk. If we're hurting in software engineers, there are software engineers, but they have been so soured by the application process and the time it takes to hear back that they've completely written off working for the government and they've given up. And that makes me sad because these people were once banging down the gates wanting to work for the government and have been beaten down so badly by the process that they just said, it's not worth it anymore. Like I did want to serve my country? If I can't have even the opportunity to hear back on a job application, then why am I going to put forward any more effort?
0: And they're just simple things. There's big things, but there's also simple things that the government could do. And so I think just having conversations like this, I hope kind of helps to move the needle on that a little bit. And I know that there are folks in the space like you who have worked in there and who want things to be better so we can get the right momentum sometimes. I haven't given up hope yet. Talk about the transition into Defense Unicorns. They're really one of the companies that I think is doing some really cool things when it comes to hiring in the space, which sometimes people can treat even government contracting is very similar to the government hiring process and almost feel like there is a contractual requirement to not be cool or not to pretend like your jobs are innovative or do some of that. So what are some of the ways that Defense Unicorns stands out, even in this government contracting space, because I do think they do.
1: When Rob Slaughter approached me, he's our CEO of Defense Unicorns. When he approached me about coming to Defense Unicorns and building the hiring process the way I wanted to, that was incredibly exciting for me because... A lot of folks in the government space were seeing me extremely vocal about changes that need to happen and things that I were seeing that were not efficient and were not contributing to hiring good employees, but it ultimately was falling on deaf ears. And so the prospect of being able to go to a startup and start something new from the ground up and make it like employee centric, candidate centric was so appealing to me. You know, my whole family had thought I was crazy because I had been in the government system as a GS4 and in five years worked up to GS12. Like I had just gotten accepted into a free master's program with Air Command Staff College. I had just gotten a new job and was being looked at as a first supervisory role as well. So I was climbing my way up the ladder. You know, I was doing all the right things and I was about to throw all of that away to go to a startup called Defense Unicorns. Yeah, (laughs) A lot of people are like, are you sure? And I said, it's more than just climbing the ladder and being in that stable government job. I want to feel like I'm making a difference and I don't feel like I'm doing that right now. I'm trying to, but I don't feel empowered to. And this is my opportunity to go somewhere and feel empowered to for a company that I know is going to be doing good for the government. I'm still serving the warfighter just as a contractor and it feels good. Going there, there are so many inefficiencies with the process with the government that I flipped on its head over here with Defense Unicorn. So first off, every single candidate deserves a response to the job in a timely manner after that decision was made. I cannot control if the decision goes to your spam, if you didn't see it, but I can control that everyone is getting sent Decision on where they're at in the hiring process and what is happening. I can also be transparent about the hiring process. I can be transparent about timelines. I can move fast, which sometimes I have to explain to candidates hey, I don't want you to feel like we are in a rush with hiring because we're moving fast. I just like to move fast because I understand that you have a decision to make. Like, I want you to know what our decisions are as quickly as we're making them. That way, you can make decisions for your family on. If you want to come here and how that factors into your life, interviewing process, anyone who is interviewed with the federal government, it's rough. And there's a lot of rules where as an interviewer, you are not allowed to talk to the candidate, ask clarifying questions, really even like smile or chuckle or anything. You're just supposed to sit there and take notes because any of that is seen as potentially giving the candidate a leg up over other candidates. I do not like that at all, because I think that that completely takes the human element out of hiring. I believe in having conversations with candidates and also explaining to them as well what we're all about, because I can recall interviews that I was in that I was, you know, answering my questions, but I didn't have the opportunity to ask questions about the team I would be going to, the organization I was getting hired into, what were they looking for, what their expectations were. It's very one-sided, and I think that getting hired for a job should feel like I'm interviewing you and you're interviewing me, and we're making sure that this is a fit for both of us rather than just this one-sided question answering, being afraid to even look up at the candidate because you're going to give them some sort of cue that they're not doing well or they're on the right path. So that's something as well that we do very differently at Defense Unicorns. Employee experience is important here, and making sure our unicorns are taken care of and their families are taken care of. Because when they're taken care of, they're going to take care of us and they're going to produce better work and they're going to feel appreciated. That's how we create this employee base that is so passionate and so excited. And also making sure the people we're bringing on board are passionate about the mission as well. And I cannot tell you how refreshing it is coming from the federal government to coming to a place like this and working with, I can confidently say that every single person here knows what they're doing, is contributing to the warfighter and is excited about that and is passionate about that. Whereas in the federal government, I felt like I had a mix of like innovators, some people coasting to retirement, some people who are just there to clock in and clock out. And some people who just felt genuinely so disconnected from the mission that they didn't feel passionate about it. And That's sad because that's the whole reason why we should be, you know, working for the Department of Defense is that we understand the loss and the sacrifice of our service members. And that's what we're there to support in whatever role we fill. All of it contributes directly to the warfighter. I think that's how Defense Unicorn sets ourselves apart, especially from other defense contractors too, because I feel like that culture translates to the contractor. And it feels very similar to being in the same federal government space. Whereas at Defense Unicorns, we do work on really hard problems. And we do work on things that directly impact service members' lives. But if we can make every other aspect of work fun and pleasurable, so that when our unicorns do have to focus on those tough problems, they feel like they've had enough downtime and relaxing and like, encouraging environment in their lives, that they can fully focus on that. We already have so much stress and big, hard government (laughs) problems, especially in software and tech, that we're trying to work towards that if we can make all other aspects of work happy, then we want to. I think that's how we set ourselves apart. And we're called defense unicorns.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, got that going for you for sure. I mean, I the chance to wear a unicorn t-shirt ranks pretty high on the list for me wanting to apply for a position, but no, I think you've also hit on something that's key. I think the mission is that unifying function, right? That everybody across this community wants to support. That is, it's a very serious mission and that can also equate to stress. And sometimes we don't want to admit that these are, can be very stressful jobs. So how do you balance the fact that you're doing cutting edge technology? You're doing amazing, innovative work that will occasionally be stressful. And if you're operating with that high intensity and you don't ever feel the release of like, Hey, but I can also have fun with my coworkers or I'm working on this big problem that is stressful But I'm solving with somebody I really enjoy working with. And I think when you have that, I think, again, you've done a great job of conveying that piece of it, saying like, hey, if you're a technologist, your skills are in demand. You can get jobs a lot of different places. But this is a place you want to work because you have that mission that People want that. They want to solve the hard problems in tech. I find that across a lot of the candidates, but then they also want to be in this community that gives back to them. So I also wanted to touch on just because this came up and you know, I saw on the headlines last week and this comes up in our industry some. And I, I think our community as it's gotten bigger, it's been a net positive. We want the startups. We want the unicorns. We want different perspectives on this, but I feel like it can be harder to operate in that space as a startup. And Anderil is another one of those companies that's come on board And I noticed that they got dropped from NixCon as a sponsor. And we see that crossover sometimes. You're doing this innovative, cool tech, all the big names as well, but have some element of supporting the defense industry too. So I was just curious, I mean, ties into the question that we're kind of asking here around hiring. Like, do you come up against that technologists who are kind of put off by the fact that there's defense in your name as well? Or how do you kind of work within those two spaces?
1: It's interesting because I do feel like, A lot of folks feel a certain way towards the Department of Defense and towards defense contractors, because obviously, we are involved in war. And that is unfortunately a reality. I think we can agree that we all believe deeply in the value of life. And like, let's be real, when weapons are poorly built, there is more collateral damage, meaning more innocent lives lost more tech in the defense sector means more improvement in precision and then reduces the risk of loss of lives. Obviously, like integration of more innovation in tech and software in the defense space removes more human lives. Like like think, for example, AI and drones removes more human lives, reducing risk of loss of lives on both sides. And you can look back in history and see that of different wars, World War II, like how inefficient it was and how like deadly they were, especially to those who were not involved in battle. I understand that some folks don't want to be involved. The reality is, is that the more tech that's inserted, the more innovation, the better this is going to get. It's important to remember a lot of the defense sector – is also humanitarian efforts and deterrence, trying to prevent these things from happening. I mean, we as a country depend on our freedom for our economic strength. The more safe we are, the better our prosperity is, and then the more equipped we are to help others. And so reading articles about that company being dropped from NixCon and all of that, that's what leads me to wonder, is it that they don't want to be involved with defense and war and all the things that come with it but i think that getting down to it and understanding like how technology can make this better is important and a lot of the candidates i'm finding are coming to us because they're getting tired of like improving how ads are being seen on the internet and like filters for your face on Snapchat and like all Yes, the technology is being used for that stuff. But then they're sitting there like, I want to push tech to its limits. I want to figure out like how to make this bigger because it's got to be bigger than this. And I want to make an impact. And that is what I talk to candidates about is the impact here, like saving lives, helping people, that it's it's the same bottom line of working with the federal government as well is saving lives and helping people and ensuring our country is safe. So that's kind of where my thought process it went with that question and that's the reality. The weapons are going to be used regardless. Would we not rather insert more tech and innovation and have them be more precise? Reduce innocent lives being
0: lost. I sometimes, I get that and I just feel like a guttural feeling that people have a lack of understanding of what the Department of Defense does and how big it is. Because I think the breadth of these missions, I'm all about conveying like there's different avenues and lanes that you can work in and approach federal government employment and it doesn't all look the same. And that's why I love new innovative companies in this space because it you can support national security and work in... A lot of different sectors doing a lot of different things, but you're still going to be working on some really cool projects. I feel like we go through these news cycles every so often where somebody gets really mad that there's somebody has a government or a defense contract. I feel like I wish you had to read the banality of those defense contracts and also see how far removed a lot of these contracts are from what the end state is and know that there's a lot of different ways to be engaged and to be involved. But I'm always good to hear that, you know, for companies like defense unicorns, like, you know that you're supporting the war fighter and you can find candidates that are interested in, are, in doing that and find that a more fulfilling mission than creating a filter. Although I would filter my face. I know. I'm
1: Add cat healthy. ears, remove the blemishes. Thank you. And I mean, I want to, I want to circle back to that and I'll be real with you. So I have worked in the Lawnstuhl Medical Regional Center, where troops would come and be stabilized before going back to the States after being wounded in war. And that's the stuff that people don't see. And some of these folks, I remember a gentleman who we obviously go in there and say, Hey, welcome, welcome to the hospital. You know what's going on? Like, we're here to take care of you and pack your bullet wounds and like wrap your amputated legs and whatnot. And he had said he was playing soccer with a little kid and then got shot, went through both his legs. And that's why he was at the hospital. And so there was so many more stories that were similar to that. And I was like, if people could see the folks who are getting hurt in these wars, because I'm sure on the other side, there's similar stories, you know, if there was a way to remove human lives from that equation by adding more technology, would we not want to do that? I do think you're correct, where people just don't fully understand, and I think if they were to understand, they would be more willing to jump and say, "Let's let's do this. Let's make things better. Let's make things, you know, more precise."
0: Well, in that vein, let's let's help. We're with the government. We're here to help. I want to circle back to the hiring question as we close. <laughs> so. How, if you could change one thing about government hiring, what would it be? Kind of as as we walk away from this conversation, do you see some low-hanging fruit that you just wish the government hiring process would implement today?
1: Is it a small, simple step for me to say just completely gut USA Jobs and redo the website and fix the application process, the BS assessment, the way that certain jobs are open for months at a time, but you never hear back and certain jobs are open in other avenues as well? Or can I talk about like position descriptions and how they were written in the 90s and how they're not accurate to today's technologies? Interviewing process, the way resumes are sorted, which is a staffing specialist, not really having any direct contact with the hiring manager or what the job is, just reading one of those, outdated position descriptions and going resume by resume saying okay I got the keywords in here it's kind of scary when you look at all the different areas that need to be fixed so simple step I don't know. can I I'll, I'll just stick with <laughs> all of the above gut, I, I... Gut USA gut USA jobs and make it more straightforward I think you would make applications more straightforward. We'll go from there. But that's the very first step and the very first thing that sours so many candidates. So that's the one I'm going to have to go with is gut USA Jobs and make it better. Yeah,
0: and I think it just doesn't reflect the hiring process that we have today. And we're all about like the accepted, you know, service positions over at clearance jobs because we try to always tell folks like USA Jobs is not the only way to find a government job. Like you can go to a place like clearance jobs and search. We have government positions listed there even convincing these agencies who have those authorities, right? For the cyber and tech positions, most agencies have the authority to do that now, but kind of convincing and getting the hiring manager on board to say, you don't have to use USA jobs. We repeat that you don't have to use USA jobs, especially to fill these in-demand tech positions that they have. So kind of educating on that, we, that's always big for me because it's like USA jobs should not be the only place you have to land on to get a government job today. As you said, until they make the process better, I have Folks ask me all the time, how do I get a government job? And I wish I could tell them, create a profile on USA Jobs and employers will contact you, which is the way it is on clearance jobs. You can create a profile and hiring managers will reach out to you. We're in a candidate market where you should be able to do that on USA Jobs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what clearance jobs is for. That's what makes it nice. And like so many people are soured by their experience on USA jobs, but they still want to work in the federal space and they still want to support our government in some way, shape or form. There's other avenues, clearance jobs being one of them, looking on LinkedIn, looking at contractors, all sorts of different ways that you can support and not have to deal with the headache (laughs) that is trying to figure out how to write your resume, the perfect way to pass the bots or answer the assessment with the right questions and Put the keywords where they need to be or pay someone to write a resume for you. It's just it should not be that hard, especially when there's so many great candidates out there who would do such a service if they could just support.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the takeaway. I mean, we both talk to people all the time who want to work in federal government, who want to support these positions. That's good. Let's not waste it while we have it. But I'm so I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I love folks who have served in government, who have worked their way, moved into other positions, still have a passion for making government better because I think that's what it will take to improve the process is people who have experienced it from the inside and have that energy momentum and now have that perspective and a capacity to be able to say, "Hey, it could be better. Let's continue to improve the process and make it better." And check out Defense Unicorns because you're doing amazing, cool stuff over there. So I always appreciate checking you out. Thank you so much, Michaela.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is Katie Keller, editor at Cranestops.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cranestops. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.cranestops.com.